when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Austin Walker here. Welcome to Waypoint Radio. It is Monday morning. I'm going to guess it is May 22nd. You got it. I got it. It's episode 67. You got it. I don't have a computer in front of me. You I have all this it. information in my head. I'm so proud, though. Thank you. I did my best. It's a rainy Monday. It's hard to remember anything on it's, a rainy Monday. Uh, so last week was like hot here, right? It, it was like 90 degrees. I dodged it. I went to like LA. Actual and it was 90. Like 60 in LA somehow. And I came back and it was raining. So I think I just brought the bad weather with me everywhere I go. <laughs> you did it. Joining me, Danielle Riendo. Hi. Also joining me via the internet, Rob Zachney, Patrick Klepik. Hello. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Well, it's you to got me killed in Battleground, so... Uh, car got you killed. <laughs> and then a car got me killed. Mm. Listen. Spent a lot of time in a hospital looking for a scope. Really helped when the car ran <laughs> over my face. That's not true. That's not true. I don't think anyone was in that car, by the way. I think that car <laughs> is like the Battlegrounds equivalent of like when in Harry Potter that car goes yeah. feral in the forest. And like, <laughs> I think that's what happened. Like that car was the just car waiting was for you. Out to get us. Does that car yeah. have a name? Do Trap you know? Car. Is it like Coronius Fatalis? Like is it's that like the, a Roman car <laughs> in your world? <laughs> that's what everything is called in Harry Potter. Oh, oh I see. Oh, I, was, I thought I that see. was like Ridley, you... Ridley Scott's next crappy alien movie. It was about yeah. a, like a Roman car. Ridley Scott. Based on a, a Stephen King novel. It's yeah. going to be great. <laughs> Tonius. God. <laughs> there you go. Uh, how's everybody doing this morning? I'm good because I beat Prey. You beat Prey? I, 48 hours. I'm so Danielle. Proud Danielle. Danielle. <laughs> And then I started playing it again. Daniel, I beat yes. I beat that game uh, yesterday morning. I yeah. I did it in twenty hours. What did you do for another twenty eight hours in that game? All the side quests. I found all Wait, the bodies. I did those. Yeah, we, that's fine. You know what? People take different you times. <laughs> you I love the environment. Enjoy no. myself. Yes. No, You're I allowed. totally. I get how that game <laughs> can take forever because I did a side quest in the guts. The uh, yeah, fuck the guts. Fuck oh the my guts. god. Yep. Let me put this. Up. Oh my you know god. What? The guts. Like, put it on blast right now. But you know what? <laughs> Zero G shit outside the station was pretty cool. Yeah, that was cool. I like being in outer space. Because you orient yourself. Yes. Yeah. The guts fucking blows. Guts. The guts, the you guts. know. The little side sections they are were cool. The little side sections appropriately like, named. When you're, yeah. Uh-huh. Guts. Bow, like, they could have been called the bowels. They could have been called Might've the bowels. Might have been, you know. There's the little cool side sections where like the magnetosphere and stuff yeah. like that. Totally cool. But the actual, like, core guts. No, the magnetosphere to... can go to hell, too. That thing sucked, that is... okay? No that way. thing was just annoying. It's like a big zapper that goes off every cool. 10 seconds. Somebody should have invested in hacking, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was, I, was max, I was max invested in that. It's just I had to keep pressing the button. It was like in um, The Expanse when the dude's got the nuke and he has to keep, like, shutting oh. the damn nuke off. It's that was my experience with magnetosphere. You just hit it once and you go get the thing and it's cool. good. My point is there are cool things around the guts, but you're right. Orienting yourself in, that, in those weird two 
boobs is the, the thing I'll say weird. about the guts, though, is it was humbling because, like, I think <laughs> after a lifetime yeah. of gaming, I'm like, oh, I've got amazing like sense of direction, and like gaming has made me like a superhuman when it comes to this kind of navigation. Turns out, you spin me around like twice in a zero g environment. I have no idea where I am. Yeah. Yeah, it was rough. The guts for people who haven't played through Prey is like a, a, a travel system of tubes that connects this this space station. So when you can't use the elevator or whatever, or there's no direct door access. There is these tunnel system, this big weird tunnel system that runs the whole length of the thing, and uh, you can get turned around in there. There are quests to find bodies in there and that's stuff. The, that's the part. Like the main quest stuff in the guts was fine. It was always pretty obvious yeah, where to go. But it, but it was when it was finding good old Mr. Dalton. Yes, yeah, uh-huh. that's really what. Yep. That's what took. You should have just done what I did, and and you just you just the first time you went through and couldn't find them, you looked up on a YouTube video and you moved (laughs) on with your life. That's how I beat that game of twenty hours instead of forty eight. Was I didn't look for Dalton. The the truth comes up. I went all human, completely all human. Oh, yeah, that's I took the other my reason. sweet time. That's the other reason. And I maxed you. out like every human tech. You use no alien powers. None. Which let me tell you, they're really. Oh, useful. I'm playing with them now. Don't okay. worry. Are you doing? Another I played playthrough. 48 hours. I beat it three times with three different endings, and now I'm playing through entirely differently. Okay. Prey is real good. Did you do the bad ending? Uh, did you go back and do of. it? I went back and did like a not quite a hundred percent amazing ending, and actually, it's pretty close. So yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that game is. We should talk about it at length in like a well, spoilery. Yeah, way let's do a spoiler cast someday. at some some point soon because we've all beaten it now. Mm-hmm. Well, Rob is still in it, right? Oh, Rob is not beating it. He's doing what I'm doing. I'm That's trying. Why. I'm trying I did to find it too. <laughs> yeah, find him. Trying to find like, Mr. It's Dalton. Like a mime. I'm just like padding along the walls. Like John Dalton's like five <laughs> meters in the other side of this wall. He I'm really sure is. Well, there. Okay. He's like under a thing that you don't realize you can go under. Yeah. There's a little yeah. compartment behind a thing. There's like the tube splits, and one of them has an under area that opens up into like a little alcove. That's all. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's where he is. That's where he is. You'll get there. Okay. Do you know where it turns left? Where it curves? Yes. Yes. You know the point. <laughs> it's under there. It's like yeah, under like in the scoop. back there. So instead of going in, you go under that space, and then you find him. It's unbelievable. I did this two weeks ago. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. And like. Even inside of the hours of the games, like 10 hours of gameplay ago, and it's burned into my fucking mind because that quest sucks. I know. And all I'm I can use is a weapon that I already had in the game. <laughs> yeah, it turns out. Fucking, a Q-beam is cool. Yeah, Don't get that, me but wrong. Then you fe- but you knew what happened to him. See, this is this is why Prey was so good. I cared about all the people. I cared about I read every email. I listened people. to everything. What, really? Yeah. The ones who have faces who you meet. The ones that those people you know. Didn't, you didn't care about, like, the sad nerd who you never meet who, like, spent too much time making the flex foam bolts or whatever they no, were. No, that's not a character. That's an event. Fine. fine. I think that's you know a what? neat event. You don't care about the people of Talos 1, then fine. You know I who do. else doesn't? Talos I 1 do. doesn't care about the people of Talos <laughs> well, that 1. That's part of what made them so tragic. I care about I care about the company. I care about Transtar. Yeah. I don't care. About, half those people are three emails. Half of those people are three. So now we know. Emails. Now we know that Austin's actually the android on this Wayland Yutani podcast. That's what it is. <laughs> no, I'm not. Thanks, David. Uh, very clearly, it's Danielle because her she has a programming thing that's like, oh, I must respect all human life. Here's the secret about humans: they don't respect all human life. That's how you can tell it's a real human. And that's what makes it better to respect human life. To be more human. Did you hear than her voice just now? She said, "That is how. That is why it is good to respect all human life. It is me, Danielle, just, the robot." I'm just marveling the change that Battlegrounds has wrought on you, Austin. Like it's really in three weeks. Car. I thought you were a humanist. In three weeks, this podcast is going to look like the end of Apocalypse Now. Like it's going to be Austin oh, sitting in the shadows. Like, are my methods unsound? <laughs> Video games. Woo. 
Oh boy. <sighs> I've been playing other video games besides Good. Prey, besides besides uh, Battlegrounds. Patrick is like leaning forward because he knows the words I'm about to say. I just let him talk about Dead Cells. Oh, oh. man. Tell um, me about Dead Cells. Is you it wrote, as good did as you Prey? already write about it once? You streamed it. I, st- yeah, I streamed it on Friday. Um, I, there was an, a review that went up on uh, Polygon by Justin McElroy in which he, like in a year, in the year 2017, um, yeah. the year of our gaming lord of so many good games, <laughs> um, Justin had the audacity to say, This is the most fun I've had with a video game this year, which is like. Mm-hmm. For folks that uh, I trust, like game critics that I enjoy, if somehow they say that, it's like, gee, okay, like, uh, I'm going to read your review. And so I read his review, and then I like, immediately hit a roadblock, which is like, oh, this game's an early access, which for a yeah. single-player game is almost universally a red flag for me, both because I prefer to wait for single-player games to just be, quote-unquote, done, or whatever they consider to be done. Uh, and then also just there are so many games, like adding unfinished games onto the pile of yeah. games that are already finished, I find just to be a little too much. But uh, his pitch was like, it already feels like a complete game that's just going to get better. And so uh, Dead Cells, like in the, the, the shortest sort of elevator pitch, is like Rogue Legacy, uh, which Rogue Legacy was already a roguelike set in uh, Symphony of the Night Castlevania. Um, Dead Cells is like... Uh, it's a roguelike with like Super Castlevania four, yeah, um, or like Rondo sort of, of Blood, yeah, or like it's like classic like pre sprawling castle Castlevania, um, where you're kind of just going left to right. There's a little bit of up and down, but but mostly you're just kind of progressing through an environment, and it's just um, it has a, the unbelievable like uh, you know it's that 16 bit ish aesthetic, but like the 16 bit if the technology was a lot better and allowed them to do a lot more with the animation. Um, really great lighting, really great effects. Like it's gorgeous, and it's, it's like so it's much so fun striking. to play. Like it is yeah. just it, it, like, and that's part of what the article I'm writing about today that goes up uh, on the site is basically like it. It doesn't feel like an early access game, which is like the best pitch for an early access game. Which is like it's a game that's already great in a lot of ways. That's only going to get better as they add more weapons and tweaks and and, yeah. and NPCs and and all that stuff. But it's you know it's it. Each run, like the six or seven runs I've done so far, have felt like incredibly fun and varied. Like what is it? it help, it's helping crystallize for me some a problem I had with like Flint Hook, which was mm-hmm. a game that I I I I wasn't sure if I disliked the yes. fact that it was in a roguelike structure, and I'm just tired of a lot of independent indie games with good mechanics putting themselves in a roguelike structure, or it was impossible that they did the roguelike structure improperly, and they just didn't yes. get to write the alchemy. Of, of, so of a that roguelike. is that is what I love about this game right now. It, pr- is, it proves that I think Flint Hook yes. did it, the roguelike alchemy wrong, and that Dead Cells gets the roguelike alchemy right. Whereas like yes. Dead Cells would be also a good game set in a structured shovel knight handcrafted world. Yep. But I don't feel like it's less of a game or less interesting, potentially more interesting. But like it's irrelevant. Like I'm not. Uh, bogged down by its structure i'm just enjoying the game and the structure is enhancing the game and i think it's because like it gets that alchemy right in a way that flint hook did not that is exactly why i'm loving this game right now too so i put uh, probably not as much time as you do i put a few hours into it over the weekend it kind of blew up last week people started talking about it and i was like dying because it's out on mac and i only had my my work laptop <laughs> with me so i came home and like the first night i was back saturday night i like, installed dead cells it's like i'll just do a quick run and then three hours later yeah. of course <laughs> like uh uh-oh um and the thing for me is exactly what you said patrick which is uh, i've talked about this before when it comes to like the phrase like open world fatigue one of the one of my pet peeves in games criticism is when we as players and writers retreat 
to the very easy language of, oh, I'm bored of this type of thing right now. And that's not to say that you can't be bored of a, of a certain type of thing. People get bored. Like, that is a real thing. But often my my follow-up to that is always like, are you sure you're bored of the genre or of the, the style of thing or of the feature? Or could it be that this is just really bad and we don't have the language to talk about it? Yet? Right. Right? Like, the I know... The feature or the game itself? Either. Both. Okay, or gotcha. the genre. The, the feature right, or the right. genre. So, like, for instance, uh, Danielle, you had really great language to explain why you didn't like um, uh, what was the, not Banjo-Kazooie, the, the ukulele. ukulele, which is like, it doesn't have the verticality exactly. of the Banjo-Kazooie games. And the depth. And the, the depth. Ways. Right. Yeah. And like, oh, those are really good, clean words in which I understand what you're saying is different from Banjo-Kazooie to ukulele. But I think that because for so many people, roguelikes or this sort of structure in which it's run-based, in which there's permadeath, in which there's procedural generation of the levels, um, in which you're getting items and learning how to use different item sets and different move sets and all that stuff uh, and figure out different builds, that is still very new for most of us. Platformers have been around for 20 years, 30 years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and time. roguelikes have been also, but they've only been in the spotlight for five or so. And so I think for a lot of people... It feels like we're bored of the genre when a bad one comes because we don't necessarily have the checklist to say why it's not working for us. Well, and that's I like pl- when I when I think yeah. about uh, you know when I was because I wanted to write an article for like the, the, the last week about like my problems with Flinthook and Strafe, right? And like, is this right. a roguelike problem? And I I would get a, a paragraph or two in and just be like, I don't feel like I have the language to explain because all I would get I would like I'm going to spend 800 words saying. I like Spelunky, right? Which is not, <laughs> not which is not an answer. Like it's more that you know, and I think like this conversation and playing Dead Cells and playing Flithook and playing Strafe have helped me come to the realization that it's actually yes. like the alchemy of a roguelike. And like more specifically, when I think about Spelunky, when I think about Flithook, when I think about Dead Cells, it is it is a variety of play per run is incredibly right. critical to to what I find enjoyable about those games. In which like when I start Spelunky and I start fresh. The, the the runs that I've had that are successful are because they're the way I got there, the method of accomplishing success was different every time um, right. or, or had enough variation that it, was, it, it felt completely different. In Flinthook, I could base a character like I, there wasn't enough variety per run. And then the level design was not interesting enough to make up for that. And Dead Cells right. gets that balance right where it's like I don't know what weapon I'm going to get to start with. But I, but I, 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 I will find a way to make it work, and like the game makes all of those different options fun to you, and like that's when I start to come up with the language that g- allows me to explain why like a, a flint hook doesn't work for me, but a dead cells does. Uh, and it's so yeah. weird because like the basic feeling of Flint Hook is so good. Like flinging yourself around feels great, but it just doesn't have that second thing, that second set of things that lifts it to be a really good roguelite. Um, and it's been really interesting t- for me to see people kind of do this because I- I've played roguelikes, like traditional top-down ASCII roguelikes for 15 years or something. And – I had to do this back then when I was like, I really like Sheer and the Wanderer, but I'm bouncing off of Angband, which is like <laughs> a very popular roguelike inside of that community. Why am I doing that? What is different about these two games? Why am I into Dungeon Crawl Stone Soup? Roguelikes have weird names. Understandable. Um, yeah. and, like, and like wrapping your head around those things, for me, it was like really useful. And I almost wish that there was like a roguelike boot camp that I could put people <laughs> through where like you could yeah. learn what is what the history of roguelikes is, what there, there's 
a you know there's a really good book actually about the history of roguelikes by uh, a, a writer who's written for us a couple of times, um, uh, David Craddock, who also has written like a Diablo I... book. Great David L. Craddock, really good writer. Uh, check out his roguelike book if you're curious about this stuff, which kind of digs into like the core like first four or five major roguelikes. That also kind of explains how those games are struggling with this stuff. Like how do they differentiate themselves? How do they figure out like how to appeal to a different audience? And also just like the, the technology, the history of technology behind it, of like them growing up on college campuses and being traded on discs and all that stuff. It's really fascinating. As it turns out, there were roguelikes before Spelunky and Binding of Isaac. <laughs> uh, appar- appar- apparently. So, so according um, to some book. But, but uh, you know, the, the funny thing for me is like I bounced off of Binding of Isaac. I bounced off of Rogue Legacy. And playing this has made me feel better about that because I felt kind of broken because everyone I know loved Rogue, Rogue Legacy. Rogue Legacy, uh, in retrospect, had like pretty poor mechanics. Um, it, yeah. it felt very – well, more specifically, it was very floaty in a way yeah. that I think um, – like, if you come from, like, the Mega Man school of, like, platformers, like, floatiness is often, like, just not only, like, something you bounce off of, but you think something is antithetical to, like, a lot of those types of platformers. <laughs> right. And Dead Cells, like, feel, like, feels very good, is not floaty. And, like, if you bounced off Rogue Legacy, but liked the idea of, like, this, you know, you're upgrading various parts of your character and unlocking things that make your subsequent runs better. I, yep. I think I think Dead Cells is a better Rogue Legacy. Um, um, if you found some of that interesting, but bounced off it perhaps mechanically. Yeah, I think the, the, it's it's just beautiful. Like people should at least go watch your stream of it because of how gorgeous the game is and yeah. how beautiful the design is. I know you kind of kind of uh, uh, disagree with some of Justin McElroy's Dark Souls comparisons. I don't, I don't think I it, don't think it holds. I, I, I think Dark Souls is uh, be and this is not just Justin. It's a lot of people. Like yeah, yeah, of Dark course. Souls is is used as a stand-in for like. You die, like in weird ways. Dark Souls is being used as a stand-in for roguelike, which is yes. like you die and start over and lose things. Um, which yeah. is fine. Like it's a shorthand. Short, short, shorthands get mixed up and are used in different ways. But totally I, for like people that know what Dark Souls is. Um, I'm not saying Justin doesn't. I'm not wow. showing shade. Shots at the McElroys. I'm just shots fired. But it, it's it's um it is not a Dark Souls like game like it's no, not a souls like it doesn't share a lot of the one place where it does feel like that though is aesthetically i think which is like the crumbling ruins yeah. of a dark fantasy world yes. huge giants with spears in them that aren't really explained strange npcs like the collector like though the sort of tone of that dark fantasy world yes. feels like dark souls to me it's funny to me because i hear dark souls i i know nothing about it I, <laughs> dark souls dark souls dark souls dark souls you know it's about <laughs> right. you know Sal. i don't know Sal. He, right. he he goes to the dark side. Hey, welcome to Dark South. <laughs> what do you want, pastrami? We sell some heads and over here. You, you know? want some uh, empty heads? Empty, empty heads, them out of the know, bread or the brains filled with bread. That's beautiful, delicious brain sandwich. Delicious. I don't know. I don't know what your problem is. Providence is the Dark Souls of Boston. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. But I hear Dark uh, Cells, and I think this is Metroid. It's like batteries mm. and cells. I should have thought, like, cells as in human cells that are now splayed across an arena because there's blood there. There's blood there, yeah. I understand You collect cells. You collect, like, cells from enemies. It's weird. It's a weird... It it has... uh, Definitely the Metroid comparisons are not unfair, too. Like, there are... Like, some of the items you pick up uh, when you defeat certain mini-bosses a lot... Like, there are uh, objects you'll find during runs that uh, all you can do is... Uh, I think pet them. I forget what the rub. There's rub. a rub you can button. Rub them. There's a rub button. <laughs> you can rub your rub cells. Like you'll find rub these little like <laughs> these mounds of slime, and all you can do is rub it. And I just I thought 
on my my first couple of runs, like, oh, this must be like a random chance that like it dumps out like a cool item or something like that, and I keep rubbing this mound of slime and nothing's happening. <laughs> and then you later find out you defeat a mini boss that gives you an item that turns the mound of slime into um, this like a uh, vine that you can climb up, and then that Ooh, suddenly transforms. That's cool. Uh, the like initial areas that you run into because suddenly you don't have to go from 1A to 2A. You can go from 1A to... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 4A, you know, like you start, the world map starts expanding yeah. and changing in, in interesting ways. And I, it's, uh, I, I still struggle with the fact that I would still prefer to like wait till like they're done and like yeah. see how it goes. But like if folks are interested, like I don't like this isn't going to be something where you buy it and you're going to regret the time you put into it. It still may be a better game a year from now, but it's in a really, really good game right now that actually in some ways might be fast. If you, the fact that it has so mechanically sound uh, up front, it might be kind of fun and interesting to watch how it changes as they, they go through that. Totally. Yeah. So what else is happening right now? What are you? What are you playing, Danielle? What are you playing, Rob? Uh, yeah, let's hear what Rob's playing because I know I know he's in a in a persona. Oh, are moment. you still? He's, he's persona and prey. He's doing a double P. Double P's right now. Uh, yeah, but the big. So no, I haven't had too no. Much time to... I just want no. Just, just no double I'm P's. Sorry, Dark Cell. I'm sorry. What about a P? P- no, mm. still bad. P playthrough. P P. How's Persona going? <laughs> uh, it's it's going just it's going just fine. I haven't had a chance to put too much time into it uh, this past this past week. the uh, The thing that actually, like, literally just before the 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 uh, the show, I was sort of getting into. I've been starting to dip my toe in uh, Endless Space Two. Ooh, oh. I'm interested in that. Yeah. Um, I like space. I like four X's. Sometimes I love Endless Legend, which is the last full big strategy game by this developer. Yeah, and I think the the thing that sets Amplitude apart from a lot of people working in the space is Amplitude are very much about form as well as function, and. Mm-hmm. That comes through loud and clear with this game. I don't know if it's because this is the first game they've made uh, with, with, with Sega, and maybe their their budget is oh, a little higher. Interesting, but like yeah. their the 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 resources that have been put into little enhancements and giving uh, each faction's identity is, is pretty impressive. Like uh, I just started a game as the Human Empire, very industrialist, mm-hmm. militaristic. I, like they look vanilla, so a good faction to learn the game with. But yeah, it and then you watch with, that intro movie. Yeah, yeah. There's a great. <laughs> tell me, you tell me about it because it's so good. <laughs> yeah, so it opens with this um, very Starship Troopers esque like propaganda video celebrating okay. the virtues of this human Imperium, and it has this uh, very like slick aesthetic. I'm, I'm trying to think of what pro- like 
there, there are a lot of like little little trailers that use this aesthetic. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like it's like motion graphicsy in the sense of like it's like someone giving a really f- like slick presentation. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. the the, the, the silhouetted. Well, way. it's like it's just like flat like uh, silhouettes of planes strike across the sky, and there's three lines, and then the three lines turn on their side, and now it's like three ranks of people very walking towards you. Very yeah. It's, yeah, it's also totally the. Um, Hire more women guards uh, type video of like takedown <laughs> of like uh, sort of militaristic uh, weaponized neoliberalism. Yeah, uh, because totally. like the video is very like inclusive and like people of all different like races and genders yeah. are doing really militarized shit. <laughs> so it's right. like <laughs> you can all be part of our empire. You can exactly. be a strong, proud, independent black woman in a mech. Standing right. on a hill of skulls. That right. You know, a black woman's uh, boot can stand on the back of your shitty alien neck. There you, you go. Know? Like, there that's you go. definitely the empire that they've but, built. Wow. Um, so what's amazing, though, is that's the way that intro video works. And then if you change to a different faction, that intro video is not in the same style. I expected it to all be this very stylized, like, hyper uh, slick, uh, slick yeah. presentation thing. And I like, oh, what do the tree people have? And they just have this, like, amazing slow, like, narration of being tree people for thousands of years and, like, finally taking a stand. Or there's a there's a species, there's a culture that exists in, like – not negative space, but like abstract space. They basically sure. live in the realm of imaginary numbers. And, okay. and someone's super secret science program cut into that place and the void entered into it. And now they're like, fuck that. We have to come out and seal this. And then you play as you can play as that faction. And that is just like sweeping, slow, like, um, very thoughtful. Hmm. Uh, uh, beautifully drawn, like, uh, not, not stylized, but like realized. Kind of uh, abstract space stuff, and, and like is, that shift is really cool. Yeah, and this is where a lot of these games, I think, sort of stumble is that a lot of them, like I think, Beyond Earth is your perfect example. Yeah. Beyond Earth has all these different factions, and it has no sense of what any of those factions mean. They're all basically the same faction. Like it's a small bonus, but it's it's. I'm all- good at ocean stuff. You're good at mechs, and you're good at like culture, and you get three points of culture points versus right. you get three points of mech points, and that's the big difference. Whereas the races in this game, sort of like an endless legend. Uh, interact with the resources and mechanics of the game in sometimes really profoundly different ways. And that can Can also, you give an example of that? Um, like- so the v- Vodiani, uh, who I'm pretty sure are tied into a faction that's in Endless Legend. Yeah, it's like the merchant faction in Endless Legend was similar to that, right? I think something like that. But anyway, they're, okay. they're not... I haven't played as them, but apparently... They don't even colonize planets, which I don't understand how that's oh, going to work because the entire game appears to be about colonizing planets. <laughs> Not these guys. These guys fly around in great arc ships uh, nice. because they are like God. The backstory on these things is so cool. So the, are they the space mop mafia? No. Well, okay. Space um, arc mafia. There's, there is definitely one intro that I watched that was just like a mobster meeting the family, like doing the whole thing. This is a little more... Big Paul Ryan fans. Okay. Religious right. zealotry, I would Dark say, style. at least in the, yeah. in the way they interact with me. But, the, oh, but the, okay. the cool backstory on them is, so they You're were right. very You're advanced, right. they were very industrial, and they totally hosed themselves. Like, they basically strip-mined their way through the galaxy, and then uh, ecological disaster caught up with them, disease caught up with them, and they were like about to get wiped out. 
except right at the moment they're about to go extinct, they find um, these like super magical suits, these like uh, like biotic suits right. from a precursor race yeah. that save them. And so now they're sealed inside these suits, and they have to fly around their arc ships, but they can't survive outside their arcs, and they can't survive outside their their, their suits. I think that they oh. might be tied to the like dust knights or whatever they yes. were called yes. in Endless Legend, which is one of my favorite factions. So this game, this, this series has a thing called dust. That's what ties all the Endless games together, which is like spice in Dune or something, okay. right? Like yeah. mystical, like special... As most of the time it functions as money. Understand. Most of the time it functions as money. It's a way to be like, oh, I'm building this new district to my city. I'm building this new space colony. I can spend this specific currency to quickly finish it instantly gotcha. because it has these properties. But this one faction, uh, the Broken Lords or the Dust Lords or something yeah. like that, uh, the Fallen Lords, some, some lords, fantasy they're bullshit. Lords. Broken they're lords. lords. They're Lords. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, they work entirely on that dust. So on, they're on that dust. Yeah, I see. And they, uh, and it completely transforms the game for them. Like it isn't just a plus three to whatever. It's everything they do is about dust. Everything. They don't need to eat. They don't need food. They need dust. And that is it. And it completely changes your economy and the way you interact with the entire map because like now you're not that interested in finding the food sector. Except that, hey, maybe you get a lot of food and you can trade that away uh, for dust. For more dust. And like that ends up being a really interesting way of, of them. It is an endless legend differentiating. So I'm glad to hear that some of that is in endless space too. It looks like a lot of it's in that game. Now, now the, the trade-off for this is when you have factions functioning so radically differently, it can sometimes make it... I definitely struggled with this in Endless Legend. It can make it really daunting figuring out, like, yeah. how does this game actually work? Like, when every faction you choose is basically, like, exhibits a completely different interaction with the core game systems, then you yeah. start to wonder, like, what, what does good play look like? What does effective play look like? Whereas Civ, you play a couple games, and now you have knowledge that applies to every single every single Civ. Right, whether you're Spain or England, you understand what a good city basically looks like. Right, and, and here you, you don't really. The last thing I want to call out, and I'm probably going to be talking about this game more in the next couple of weeks, but the thing that is really intriguing me is that there's also an internal politics model. Right. And everything you do affects the popularity of different factions, your industrialists, huh. your militarists, your scientists, and they form their own like political parties. And so the balance of power in your in your empire, your your senate will start to shift and different mm. factions will sort of take charge. And depending on who is in charge and how long they have been there because as a political party gets like more seasoned and has been in power for longer, uh, they sort of tech up and they're allowed to do like more advanced policies. You can you can like uh, pass different laws that apply hugely different effects across like empire wide, and so that's okay. one of the really cool things. Is I was going all in on industry, um, but because I started investing a lot in like making planets more habitable and cultivating more food. I've got a like a pretty sizable environmentalist party taking shape oh, within my like yeah, and so like suddenly I wanted the scientists to become my secondary party. Scientists aren't even on the board; they're they're practically <laughs> irrelevant. But now it's like aggressive industrialists and like militant environmentalists, and <laughs> but wow. it's so I and I think that can go some interesting places. But for now, what it means is I've got this really interesting menu of policy options that I can choose from. But if one of those parties ever loses power and sort of vanishes out of the Senate, you lose those laws; they're gone. Gotcha. So you're kind of getting bonuses. 
because they've been in power and the risk of losing them isn't just that they'll turn on you or something. It's that you lose that – you lose the verb. You yeah. stop being able to do yeah. the thing that you were maybe relying on for quite some time and and for whatever reason, maybe you haven't invested in that sort of technology in a while or, or that sort of advancement. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm – I'm very interested in putting down some time with that game this week. Maybe we should stream it. Yeah, we should probably stream it at some point. That could be good. We'll try to look into it. We'll look into it. We'll see. Can we go to the question bucket? We We can do a a very quickie. quickie. We have seven minutes left. So there's a whole story associated with this one, but I'm going to cut it short. Ted, thank you, Ted, for for bringing this in. If you have a question, you can send it to gamingadvice.com. Use the subject questions, and we'll see it. Questions. So Ted was playing... Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn, and this is his question. He started seeing different things in the games. I'll I'll read the very, very last part. Both Horizon Zero Dawn and Zelda Breath of the Wild are great games. I don't necessarily think comparing them is fair, even though I see why it has happened so frequently, but I found it interesting how each one influenced my feelings about the other. And he had a whole bunch of thoughts about... Oh, I, you know, going back and forth between the two, the controls were so different. He, he started sort of seeing seams and seeing things through the cracks of Breath of the Wild that, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn was maybe a little smoother on. Mm-hmm. And also sort of the grandeur of Breath of the Wild right. was also, you know, not necessarily as apparent in the same way in Horizon Zero Dawn. So his question is, if any of us have experienced something similar where one game, if you're playing something simultaneously mm-hmm. or right after the other or even if it's years apart – informing your opinions of a different game, even if it's a completely different type of game. Yeah. I think that happens to me literally all the time. Yeah. It's like constantly <laughs> yep. all of the like we had this conversation earlier in a sense, right? Which sure. is the Flint Hook and Dead Cells conversation yep. in which Dead Cells helped Patrick and me like, oh, okay, this is why I don't like Flint Hook. Um, and then even with what Rob and I were just talking about, Endless Legend is the first time like made me rethink what I'd been feeling about that traditional like land-based 4x strategy game um specifically because i've been playing a lot of uh i've been playing a lot of crusader kings 2 at the time which is a completely different type of game that i thought like oh ck2 is the only sort of like traditional strategy game that isn't sci-fi that i like and then i played endless legend and realized like oh actually the thing that's in both of these games is storytelling different types wildly different types yeah but event-driven um you know choice-driven uh, and and character driven because Endless Legend had characters in it in a way that like Civ doesn't really have characters and so those two games together kind of brought me to a third conclusion but it wasn't really like now I don't like this one it was kind of like oh, I'm gonna synthesize these things and get at the the truth of what I like what about you what about anybody else yeah I you know I, th- I think uh, earlier this year uh, and this was partially last year but I did not particularly care for either of the DLCs for Dark Souls three which uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, is partially because I don't think they're particularly well-designed DLCs, but the larger point, um, like playing it, was that you know I was wrestling with: am I am I have I played so many of these types of games that I'm I need a break from like the the Souls-like like the sort of uh, setup, um, or do or is it that I am just so tired of the specific way that Dark Souls yeah. as a franchise stacks those things together? And although there are differences between Dark Souls one, two, and three, like you kind of have to squint at it to see. Um, what's happening is largely the same uh, type of game put into different settings with some some tweaks along the way. And it's like games like Neo and games like The Surge that reminded right. me, okay, right, like I, there's a reason when I played Dark Souls 3, I wished I was playing Bloodborne because what Bloodborne did for me was take the DNA of Dark Souls and like just twist it in the right ways that, that mm. kept what I found interesting foundationally, but mechanically 
uh, had me trying different things and doing different things. And that's also what I think is successful in both Neo and, and The Surge is like taking this this sort of core ideas, this DNA of, of what we call Souls-like and then spinning it off in their in their own directions in a way that reminds me like, OK, I – it actually is just I'm tired of Dark Souls. Like I'm not tired of <laughs> of, of like I, I can still really love these games, but I need them to do something else. If I would be highly disappointed if they announced a Dark Souls four because it would mean that it'd be going back to that same stack. Um, and and yeah. those games reminded me that in, in the same way as we were talking about with roguelikes, like it's just it's a way the way that stack is arranged is critically important um, to understanding sort of why you're bouncing or not bouncing off a single thing. How about totally. you, Rob? Do you have one of these? Oh gosh, like constantly because like so this <laughs> this past weekend, uh, in the past week and a half, I've played Alpha Centauri, Civilization Six, and uh, Endless Space Two, and right. each of those like it's interesting. I was playing Endless uh, Space Two and Civilization Six back to back, and both were sort of informed by just recently playing Alpha Centauri. And having those sort of three things in dialogue at once really helped me start teasing apart like what was working for me in one game and what I found lacking in another. And so it was this it was this really useful set, series of contrasts, uh, you know, about design philosophy and just changes yeah. in time in in you know life of the industry uh, that I found like really informative and helpful and helping in helping me like formulate my thoughts and reactions to each of these games, particularly endless space. Oh, it's so good. I know we have to go. I, I could go what's on your, with this for a hundred years. I mean, do you yeah. have what's a quick one? Oh, it's all right. I mean, a quick one is is how much I love Prey is actually informing certain Ooh. things to me about Dishonored too. But that's oh, yeah. that's you know, you yeah. can listen I, to, I to, to time. Uh, Idle Weekend sometime. Huh. Maybe we we talk about that at some point. So yeah, you know, I should finish Dishonored too. Me too. <laughs> I still haven't and finished. I'm mad at myself. The fact that so many mm. people I know have not finished Dishonored too, but they well, did finish Prey, I find really revealing. You're. It's really revealing because because if you asked me which I'd rather play in this moment, it would be Dishonored Two. I like that world more. I like those characters. Like, and yet I finished Prey and didn't finish Dishonored yeah. Two, which is different times. It's not an it's an apples and oranges thing. To it some is. Degree. It is. Yeah. But but it it's is informing me yes. in that same way. It's totally. informing my feelings about that game in the same way. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for yep. us this week or this Monday. We'll be back on Friday with yeah. another Waypoint Radio. <laughs> My you, are, you want me to do the outro? I'm still dying. What is oh happening? Oh, my God. Everybody, it has been... It has L.A. Been plague. The L.A. plague, jet, jet lag. Choking on Just, that uh, car exhaust that ran us over this morning. That's what's oh happening. Boy. This is, um, we're dead now, by the way. Murder. Patrick and I are ghosts. <laughs> we, we are the ones who've been murdered. Uh, catch us on Friday for more Waypoint, Waypoint Radio. Catch us on Wednesday for some permadeath. I have to look at. I have to put up another fucking. I have to put up another vote. You got to oh, think of no. a new torture device. Oh, I'll put up that vote today or tomorrow. <laughs> um, what else is going on this week? Do we have uh, uh, daily battleground streams? Uh, daily battlegrounds. We'll be back tomorrow. We're gonna get that car, Patrick. You and me. But it's sometime at Wednesday. We will hopefully have a uh, podcast up, uh, kicking off Untitled Video Game Book Club, which we will come up with. Yep. The fi- finalize the name for Wednesday. So. Uh, you should play if you're playing binary domain with us. Uh, there are six chapters in the game. Yep. Um, finish the first three. Takes about yep three and a half hours. Quick question. Yeah. It's How critical is having a working microphone to that experience? 
No, turn it off immediately. <laughs> uh, you can turn it off. Okay. You can turn it off. Because I stopped I, I, and the game you... was like, don't even try to play this out of the mic. You missed the <laughs> no, whole game. It's, it's bad. Turn okay, it okay. I wanna I need to try it with the mic just to see what that stuff is like. Just to get a taste. Because like basically you have we'll talk on Wednesday. Yeah. We'll talk on Wednesday yep. about this. So so look for that. Uh, you can find everything we do at waypoint.vice.com, uh, digitalpyramids.com, etc. 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 Twitter.com slash waypoint, Facebook.com slash waypoint vice. You can find me on the internet at Austin underscore Walker on Twitter. Danielle. Danielle R. I on Twitter. Rob. At Rob Zachney. Patrick. That Patrick Klopik. Tim Barnes 451 on Twitter. Uh, shout out to Dylan for producing this. Shout outs to Bowen for letting us use his track. Miss you off the EP Pale Machine. You can find out more info about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. That's going to do it for us this Monday. Danielle, what do we tell him? Be good or be good at it. Peace. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.